right, welcome to the State of the Lakers on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with Rod and I. Finally, a relatively uneventful um, uh, evening for Laker basketball. Um, I know some people are a little frustrated with the, you know, the closeness of the margin, but I thought tonight was a, a pretty clear positive step. I mean, you never are going to be able to become a good team overnight. Uh, there, that was mm-hmm. that. The, there's just too many problems to fix with this team to, you know, uh, have a situation where, you know, just some guys have a good rah-rah speech in a locker room, come out and give good effort and fix everything. It was always going to be a process, but there had to be a clear, intentional um, first step. And I thought that tonight very well could have been that. That, however, Raj, is feels like something I've said a half dozen times this year. So uh, where are you at today, man? First of all, how's your weekend been? I hope you've uh, uh, had a chance to relax a little bit and uh, – Give me your thoughts on so, so far on tonight's game. Yeah, I had a good weekend. I've um, been enjoying it with some family here as well. So I was kind of in and out on this one, but I did catch the main kind of things. I saw the ugly, obviously, starting lineup that stayed. This team has lost the benefit of the doubt, right? Like you would agree. Like this team has lost the benefit of the doubt with the good game, bad games that they've been having. They've been having. But I thought tonight is one. Of, is probably the best game we've seen from our big three as a collective. Uh, so we had... I think I had the stats up here. We had Anthony Davis with 24, LeBron with 33, Russ with 25. I thought the rim pressure was was great from all three of them, really attacking the basket. LeBron took, I think, nine threes. But other than that, really got to the rim. And that's what we need to see from them. And I'm hoping this is kind of something we can see going forward. But this team has lost the benefit of the doubt to me. Like, I need to see this on a consistent basis. And I've seen people, like you said, upset with the margin, uh, the margin that we won, won by. But we're not a good team right now, at least so far. And people are going to be mad with the DeAndre Jordan minutes. Uh, Dwight Howard was out tonight, I believe, with rest. So really just had him and LeBron and AD oh, so at Dwight the center. Was but, actually out. Yes, yes, okay. yeah. I think uh, Mike, Trudell, Mike Trudell on the, on the broadcast said uh, he was resting and Vogel was going with more guards tonight, going against this Detroit team. Uh, but yeah, man, I want to see this going forward. But we got a lot more LeBron AD at the center at center lineups and, and hopefully this is something we see going forward but that's where i'm at this is, this is a good win again the scoring margin isn't great detroit kind of made a run late but we can't really be picky right now with with wins that we're getting uh we didn't go to overtime which is a positive right like we bit them we beat them in regulation uh so that's where i'm at this at with this it's a good win a good thing hopefully we can build on it but they've lost the benefit of the doubt to me uh for for saying like it's something we're going to build on no i 100 percent agree and you know uh, as I said at the very beginning, the Lakers have a laundry list of problems. You know, like they're you're never going to be able to get THT at age 21 now to be a really consistent offensive player. So he's you know going to be a kind of on again, off again type of guy in our offense. You know, and same thing goes with him on the defensive end. He's going to have nights where he makes a ton of big plays, and then he's going to have nights where he's getting lost off the ball. Avery Bradley, his offense very clearly comes and goes. His defense, you know. Uh, is very active. It's very active, but it doesn't accomplish a ton that there's nothing we can do to change that. The same goes for everybody on the roster. Wayne Malik and Carmelo are kind of offensive engines that will get hot and then also go cold. And they're not going to give us a ton offensively. That's not going to change. Frank isn't going to change unless he gets fired. As we've seen, he's very, very reliable. He's very, very (laughs) set in his ways. You know, that's not something we can change without Frank getting fired. You know, uh, uh, Russ is what Russ is, but there was one clear thing going on 
that absolutely was very, very easy to change. And that was LeBron and AD's engagement level. And mm. so tonight, a lot of those things that I just listed off reared their ugly head. Frank's, Frank's insisted on using DJ, the, the t- terrible spacing, offensive guards, uh, Mellow Monk and uh, 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 Ellington all had pretty meh offensive nights. That all led to that close scoring margin. But the functionality of the team, meaning like the quality of shots they were giving up and the quality of shots they were generating for themselves was all significantly better because at the very beginning of the game, LeBron and AD made a concerted effort to be engaged physically in the game. Instead of taking a boatload of dumb jump shots, they both put their head down and got to the rim a lot. AD, when he screamed, instead of popping, would roll hard to the rim. I talk a lot in the last pod with Vinay about out-of-area defensive plays. You know, like AD and LeBron are so incredibly gifted that they'll make a play and you'll be like, oh man, I can't believe, you know, he blew that play up or he got this crazy block or he did this. But usually it's because the offense kind of ran directly into him and his freak talent took over. There was very little extra effort to get out of their area to cover for their teammates. And you saw that tonight. You saw LeBron actually stepping in and taking charges instead of standing there and watching. There was a play Mm -hmm. early in the game, AD off ball. There's a guy posting up a mismatch. He went out of his area to come over and erase the shot. Those are, those are additional effort plays. That's covering for the fact that your teammates don't have the amount of talent that you have. And so even, even though all those other flaws that I talked about have to get fixed, we still need forwards. We need to find a way to be generate easier shots. We need um, uh, Frank to give up on DeAndre Jordan and use Avery Bradley a lot less. That's all true. But step one was getting LeBron and AD on board. And for them to try this hard in a game against the Pistons, for them to come out into this game with that level of urgency on both ends, to me, was a big step. And it's not about once. Like you said, they don't get the benefit of the doubt. We don't get to just assume this means problems are fixed. They have to show us over an extended stretch that they are. But this was a good first step in that direction. Yeah, I agree with that. And I've seen people, you know, start to do that. You know, they miss KCP. They miss Kyle Kuzma. They miss Danny Green. Those are players that aren't on minimum deals, though, right? Like, those are players making 8 to 12 to $15 million a year. When you have a team with three stars and a bunch of just minimum guys on the roster – your three stars pretty much have to show up every single night, or at least two of them have to be at an engagement level uh, to match. And even a, a team like Detroit, that's really bad. We're just not playing at the level right now where those two or three of them can be disengaged. And it's not fair to have LeBron with these kind of LeBron having this load. AD, I think he's the young one. He's 28. He's the one that should be. He should not be load managing through game. Uh, in between games, but it's something that we've just seen. The effort level hasn't been there, and we've seen guys kind of break down why that's happening. And and the spacing issues to me are still going to be there. Frank Vogel looks like he's going to go down. He's going to go down with the ship his way. Like uh, people expected DeAndre Jordan and Avery Bradley not to start tonight, and they did again. Uh, and I think we were down seven to one or something like that when the game started, uh, and it was really bad. It looked ugly, but he's going to go down with the ship his way, and maybe that changes when we get healthy. But you're right, LeBron and AD being engaged is the first step. Those other guys aren't going to change the way that those those guys can. Malik Monk to me is not going to get better defensively. Wayne Ellington probably isn't going to be is is not going to be better. Carmelo Anthony is what he is. LeBron and AD's engagement level have to be 
have to be to a baseline level, right? It, it doesn't have to be great. LeBron doesn't have to be 100% defensive player of the year. But like you t- like you said, def- defending out of his area, LeBron defending, uh, AD defending out of his area, it's just stuff that we need. We not, Like in that Indiana game, I thought LeBron showed what he can be. And then the ne- in the next few games, it just he just stopped trying again. Like it was just his effort can't wane that much for this team. Uh, they really need him. And I thought tonight it was great. I thought their engagement uh, was really there from from the opening tip. So hopefully it's something we can build on. But you're right. I just thought it was an engagement level that we need to see. And they're the leaders of the team. Uh, Frank Vogel, people are asking for his head on, on a stick. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, this is another game that he survived. He got the win. I don't think they want to make that change right now. And again, I've been very clear on my stance on it. Uh, but it starts with them two at the top. No scheme matters until your stars are engaged. And I thought we saw that tonight, even if there's a lot of a lot of stuff we still have to fix, a lot of lineups that still have to be fixed. Uh, that's the top of the that's the top of the key for me is is LeBron and AD engaged at a level that brings everyone else. A hundred percent. You can build on that. Right. Like like right. like you know, turning activity into production on defense is a process, but the first step is that activity. You've got to get guys actually willing to put in, put their bodies on the line to do the job. Uh, From there, you can get to the point where guys start to build that on a string type of continuity defensively, right? That's the, the, Mm -hmm. like there were a lot of plays tonight where guys were trying hard, but got out of position, but that's to be expected because they, haven't really, really tried to attempt to make their defensive scheme work, you know, up, up to this point. But like at a certain point, you had to you had to at least start the process of everybody giving a shit so that they can start to build that continuity and understanding like, hey, like Avery tends to funnel guys this way. AD's now going out of his area to help here. So I it is worth it for me to rotate over to that weak side corner Whereas in the past, it was already a layup. So I, I would just quit on the play myself, too, because it wasn't even my fault because somebody else quit. Like, it's all part of building that chain. And then that, that's when you're, you'll start to see the multiple efforts start to come into play. And that's when you'll start to see that invigorate the offense. Because, again, like I said, our role players weren't good tonight. None of our offensive, you know, firepower pieces off the bench really got going. Everybody made a handful of plays, but nobody really got going. You know what I mean? And so from that standpoint, it goes back to something that you and I have said nonstop over the last three years. When the Laker role players are bad, but LeBron and AD are engaged, we win by a little. When LeBron and AD are engaged and our role players are okay, we win by like 15. And when LeBron and AD are engaged and our role players play really well, we blow teams out. So tonight kind of fit back into that mold for me of LeBron and AD leaving a physical imprint on the game no one else really being able to match them, but it not mattering because LeBron and AD are that good, you know, and, and I think we can move this to Russ a little bit because um, he's been the most consistently engaged player that we, that from the big three over the course of the last, you know, almost a month. And uh, I think, I think he deserves to get a lot of credit because, you know, that's what kind of made the LeBron and AD stuff so embarrassing is meanwhile, Russ, you know, while he's getting all the blame on Twitter from people outside of the Laker fan base who haven't watched him night in and night out, and people inside the Laker fan base that, including myself, who have just been hard on him, especially at the beginning of the season, I think people like you and I who actually have been watching have taken it a lot easier on Russ as he's gotten better because we have no we have no 
we have no personal vendetta mm-hmm. against him. You know what I mean? But like, again, Russ, Russ has been good for a couple weeks now. So it's nice to see LeBron and AD meet him at that level. And you're seeing too Russ uh, start to find comfort in where to be aggressive. Like it's hard for me to watch him with DJ still because you can tell there's just no there's no real opportunity for him to go. But he had a lot of opportunity tonight with AD where he'd go five out and and there'd be no bodies in the paint. He could put his head down and get to the rim. He had some bully ball post up type of touches. It's good to see Russ just starting to look comfortable in the Laker offense. Yeah, he's definitely starting to pick his spots. And uh, anyone who's in the past who's watched Russ in Washington and Houston has said he kind of picks it up as the season goes along. And hopefully that's something that's happening here. His engagement level has been there offensively. I think defensively still he gets lost a lot of times uh, on shooters or when he's the help man. He's really he really likes to go go help on the boards. And that's something that really hurts the team. But you're right. he, He has pushed the pace. We've talked about it all year, though. This team needs to choose an identity and I think that one has to be one that fits Russ the DJ and Avery Bradley lineups are so against what Russ is good at what what gets Russ comfortable and that, I think that's been the biggest frustration but I don't know if Vogel is going to go away from that but I thought again tonight his rim pressure was great and it's what we thought the formula would be for this team right it's LeBron and AD going off and then you have Russ as well doing his thing putting up the numbers and the numbers aren't always great like they you can, you know, argue whether they impact winning or whatever you want to say. But, I mean, 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists, uh, three turnovers, only three threes tonight, uh, really getting to the basket. Like, that's what that's the formula for this team winning, right? LeBron and AD being themselves and then Russ adding his production to that. And I think that's how you have to win here when you have a team full of guys on minimum deals. Like, the three stars have to be themselves, like, especially against good teams. Detroit, maybe you can get away with if one of them are playing well. Uh, but you need all three of them, all three of them going. I thought today was uh, a sign of that, of, of what it can look like, I guess, uh, when it's going, it's going well. But yeah, Russ starting to get more comfortable, starting to find his spots. Uh, the AD at the five lineups are obviously where he's most comfortable. AD still can't, he's not shooting great, but his gravity is still there. I think I saw you tweet that as well. Like AD's gravity as a shooter at the five still exists, mm-hmm. even if he's not shooting. And it's something that just opens driving lanes for him uh, and LeBron. It's something I think we need to lean into. I think, you know, Vogel will eventually lean into that, hopefully when we get uh, the full team healthy here. Uh, but, but yeah, I thought, I think Russ is progressing upwards um, and he's not hurting the team. Right. I think, I think that he hasn't hurt the team like, in a long time. It's, it's right. all, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's a line there. I think we've become uh I think the conversation has gone really close to if he's just not hurting the team, then it's great. He needs to be a positive though, right? For the team to get to where it needs to go, he needs to be a positive uh, every single night. And, and it's trending that way. And and to your, to your point about like uh, the, the specific um, like offensive approach to the team and leaning into identities, this is where I really, really struggle with the Avery Bradley and Deandre Jordan minutes, because I, you know, I will, you and I both, but primarily me because of that clip that was <laughs> taken out of our podcast has gotten a lot of crap for the DeAndre Jordan signing. <laughs> and, you know, my, my whole approach to the DeAndre Jordan signing wasn't really all that complicated. Like he's a drop coverage big who is playing in a switching system in Brooklyn. And it was just very clear that he was never going to succeed up there. Meanwhile, the Lakers were coming off of back to back seasons being like the very best if not second best behind Utah 
drop coverage team in the league. That was what we did extremely well. So I'm sitting here thinking like, hey, we'll get DJ in here. He'll slot right into that JaVale McGee, Dwight, Anthony Davis role on our defense. And what'll be nice is he won't play. But if LeBron or if Anthony Davis has to take a night off or if Deon, or, or Dwight Howard has to take a night off, night off, you can slide DeAndre Jordan in there and he'll be able to run a rudimentary drop, drop coverage with our scheme and it'll work. And all of that went to hell because not only did our guards not do their job in that scheme, LeBron and AD just completely mentally checked out on the season defensively compared to the way they mm-hmm. were the previous two years. So all of a sudden – where when we do run drop coverage, it looks like trash. Even if it's AD or Dwight, we're doing a lot more switching. We're running a janky zone. And then you're like, why isn't DeAndre Jordan looking good? And it's like, it was obvious that when he came in here, it would be more of the same with the way that this team was playing. And then all of a sudden tonight, DJ looks like a functional center again because LeBron and AD are engaged. You know what I mean? And look, I still don't like that. And I'm about to explain why. But the point is, is like none of this was it wasn't fair to judge Malik, to judge Mello the way we did in the first few games of the season, to judge DJ, to judge any of these guys with the way that LeBron and AD were playing. Because at that point, they might as well be the Houston Rockets. You know what I mean? In terms of just the the, the what what they're going to look like on the television screen playing basketball. So it, it wasn't really fair. But so to your point about the identity, this is where I would like to see a lot more Malik Monk, a lot more LeBron at the five, AD at the five, a lot more favoring the shooting over guys like Avery Bradley, over DeAndre Jordan. You know, Baysmore's out of the rotation now. The reason why is because I think with LeBron and AD trying, you'll actually see functional, workable defense from Malik Monk, from Wayne Ellington, from Carmelo Anthony, from these guys. Because, again, it's just easier for them to do their jobs when LeBron and AD are flying around out of their area and making plays. And so from there, that's how we turn this from a team that only scores 109 points or whatever it was against the Pistons into a team that could put up 125, 130 while also getting a bunch of stops. It's by leaning into that offensive identity a little more while, while still expecting LeBron and AD to engage on the defensive end. I think we need to kind of reevaluate some of that with LeBron and AD checked in. Does that make sense? Yeah, it for sure does. And and I think I was more on the like I'm fine like I was wrong about this. I was kind of fine with DeAndre Jordan starting in place of like just taking that Javel McGee role and Javel McGee's motor is a lot higher and all that stuff is true. DeAndre Jordan obviously has highlight clips or low light clips if you want to call it where he just absolutely doesn't try, right? He he I've said it before, he takes the path of least resistance on pretty much any play that he does. And, and maybe that's just something that's, that passes down when LeBron and AD aren't engaged and it just goes on to him. But that's something that he's done a lot of this season. He takes the path of least resistance, yep. right? If he, has to go, if he has to go out to a shooter and there's a big stand in the lane, even though AD is in the lane with him, he just he just ties himself to that big man, even though it's his help rotation, right? And that's something that he'll do. Uh, but you're right. This team needs LeBron and AD engaged on defense to go anywhere. We're just playing too many offensive-minded guys, too many guys where our coverage doesn't match the personnel. AD at the five, again, is I've always talked about it. I think it's the right play for this team. I also don't think it's the magic elixir that you press one button and it solves all their issues. You can't play, you can't play AD at the five uh, with LeBron at the four and then have both of them checked out on defense, right? It, 
it doesn't work like that. Like those two have to be the help man rotation, have to be engaged on a lot of the plays. LeBron has to be the backline guy calling out things that are happening. He has to be that guy, the guy that can help and recover, and he's more than capable of doing that. I mean, again, that's not fair for him to do in year 19, but that's just where the roster is. That's how it's constructed. It's it's built around those two guys' talents, and it, it looks a lot better. DeAndre Jordan does look a lot more serviceable when you're having AD and LeBron uh, engaged in this way, uh, but you're right. De- DeAndre Jordan should not play, and maybe hopefully that's just a – that's just a factor of Dwight not playing tonight and not having any any centers. I just feel like Vogel is going to continue this uh, this uh, starting lineup uh, until until we get the team kind of fully back healthy here. Uh, do you see that going forward? Because I don't think Vogel's changing. Like I just I feel like he's going to continue this. Uh, like next game, would you predict that DeAndre Jordan and Avery Bradley don't start? Because I don't. Like I think they're just going to continue to go to this, even though the numbers say that it's awful. I think coming in tonight into tonight we had a. 87.0 offensive rating uh, with our with our starting lineup uh, with those two in with uh, Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan on the floor. It's an 87 offensive rating, and that's with LeBron or AD and Russ on the floor. Like, uh, do you see that? Because I I feel like we're going to continue to see these lineups. Uh, we're going to continue to see the same starting lineup going forward. I think we'll continue to see DeAndre in the starting lineup until Trevor Ariza comes back. I think at that point, even mm-hmm. even Frank's flawed reasoning for going that route will, you know, uh, point him in the, in the direction of going with Ariza. I mean, this is the part where it gets tricky because like I said, uh, LeBron and AD, if this is the start of them truly investing in this season, which we don't know, like I said, there've been a half dozen moments like this where we wonder, Hey, is this the turning point? Like, I still remember sitting here talking (laughs) with you about whether or not the comeback after the Isaiah Stewart fight was going to be the magical comeback. Um, but, get, but guess what? It wasn't. So, so that, that's, that's, mm. that's the point. But if LeBron and AD use this as a turning point and they continue to invest night in and night out, the DJ minutes are going to be okay. They're going to win those minutes because like I said, with those two engaged, it's just too much talent on the floor for really any lineup to, 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 to struggle night in and night out. They're going to have some success there. So the hope there is that when Ariza gets in, hopefully by that point, he'll just have no choice but to lean heavier into it. But I wanted to, you know, you had mentioned, you know, like maybe it's not fair to ask LeBron in year 19 mm-hmm. to do this. And this is something I vented a little bit about this with Benet the other night, but this is a huge pet peeve of mine in this season, because again, we are not talking about, you know, LeBron when he was with the Cavs and it's like, Hey dude, you've made the final seven straight seasons or six straight seasons. And you know, in, sure. and you know, in the Eastern conference that when you hit the gas, no one can really mess with you, so you have the ability to, to, to coast through here. This isn't we're the defending champs, and we just finished 71 days ago, so like we, we probably need to, to favor taking work off of these guys. Oh, and by the way, we're 21 and 6, so like we, we can afford to – no, no, no. You are a bad team who is below 500, who just lost in the first round, who already has 11 losses, which is a lot if you really think about it a fourth of the way through the season, like the play-in tournament or getting into a position where you're fighting to the last minute of the regular season to maybe get home court advantage in the first round. That's a real possibility now, even if LeBron and AD dial in. So there is like real urgency here. So what bothers me is that people can't see that like you don't get to say – LeBron's in year 19, so we got to take it easy on him. Or we can't 
uh, ask AD to do all this work defending big guys all season because, you know, his body might wear down. Okay, if you want to take those responsibilities away from them, we're just going to be a bad team. That's the reality of it. This is, we have real urgency here. If we don't ask LeBron and AD to do this stuff, if LeBron and AD aren't willing to, to buy in on both ends of the floor, this is a 500 or below basketball team. That's just, that's a fact. That's a literal fact. So once they embrace that and understand that they, the team needs them to be good, that they will literally lose in the first round if they don't get back to their 2020 level, hopefully that urgency kicks in with them and then we'll start to see a, a, a better investment in that. But, you know, I thought I saw, you know, I thought LeBron rarely shows that he's contrite. And I thought we saw that for the first time after that loss the other night um, uh, after those bad shots in OT against Sacramento. You could tell when he said, like, I have to be better for this team. It seemed like the first time that I could tell this season that it dawned on him that what he was giving wasn't enough, even beyond what he did in Indiana. Just I think he was aware suddenly that, like, I think the urgency finally dawned with him and that's just my theory. And that's why I think maybe this will turn around from here, but like the, 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 this team does not have the luxury of trying to cut LeBron and AD slack. They are not talented enough. They are too far. They're too far behind the eight ball with their continuity and they're too far behind the eight ball with their habits to allow LeBron and AD to coast. We actually need them to hit playoff intensity now until this thing gets right. If they go on a massive win streak and they're in a comfortable spot in the one, two or three seed and they're in an easy part of their schedule, then fine. You can do things to eat innings and try to take something off their plate. But right now we can't, we have to ask LeBron and AD to do more. Yeah. And when I say it's unfair to ask LeBron, you know, in year 19, like to me, I mean, in like in a perfect world, in a perfect like roster construction way, you don't want your guy in your night, your superstar in your 19 have to be the guy defensively every night. Like that's not something you just want to have, right? Even the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George, Kawhi doesn't take you know the best offensive player every single night. Even Paul George sometimes doesn't play, take the best offensive player every night. Even when both of the guys are on the floor, sometimes it's Marcus, you know, Morris who takes the best defensive guy. That's just a way to load manage during a season that's what i mean by it's like like in a perfect world you wouldn't want lebron to be the guy having to carry your you know defense be one of the defensive back lines uh in the season that he's in and he's one look he's probably the best ever in terms of load managing in terms of knowing how to get his body ready for a playoff run right you don't go to whatever it was 10 or nine finals in a row uh by nine finals in a row without having the experience and knowing what it takes to get there. And and to me, this team just doesn't have that luxury, like you said, where he can kind of just coast through, go up and down with his effort on defense and just try to walk through these games because we're just going to keep losing. We're going to be a bad team. We have to start building habits. We have to start building good habits, winning habits. I thought it was funny, the, the quote with Anthony Davis that came out where he said, we just need to win 10 games in a row, <laughs> right? He's like, just win, just win 10 games in a row and solve, any, solve everything. The title team in 2019-20 won 10, won 10, won 10 games in a row once. They had a, another nine-game winning streak as well. But my point there is it's very difficult it's hard. to win 10 games. Yeah. It's very difficult. 
That's why I think the, the Suns winning 14 in a row should be a bigger deal, deal to me. And people come at me with the teams that they played. I don't care. You people, teams lose, lose to teams they're not supposed to lose to all the time. We can attest to that <laughs> just with the games that we've seen. Like, it's very tough to win that many games in a row. They won 14. That's neither here nor there. But, yeah, AD saying we just need to win. Like, that's difficult. Uh, you need to, and again, it's going to be a step-by-step process. This team has, in the quotes, have said the it's a long game. It's a process. But, I mean, we're like, what, 20% done with the season now? Like, it, it's it's getting late early, as they'll say. And, and <laughs> quote that you're, you know, <laughs> And and we hear this quote a lot, right? It's a it's a first quarter league as much as it's a fourth quarter league. Like these are all habits that you have to build uh, to get to where we want to. And to me, LeBron and AD ha- have to be engaged at a baseline level. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. They don't, you know, they can't do. I thought the third quarter tonight, their energy was the best I've seen. I think they had like a sixteen zero run or something like that. But but like it doesn't have to be to that level. But it has to be at a baseline level. And I think the other players feed off of that as well. I think you go off how your stars go and and they need to set the tone here and and all the Frank Vogel noise all that's fair the lineups aren't con- conducive to this roster that's 100% fair and those are all criticisms that I totally believe in but for LeBron AD not to be bought in that that's the number one thing for this team because everything else doesn't matter like we said you can't even get to scheme without first passing by effort and I think that's the first kind of ship bridge we have to pass and hopefully tonight's a, a way to get past there. Yeah. And, you know, this is the last thing I'll say about the LeBron and AD thing. And then we can move back into a couple more, uh, you know, details from tonight. But like, you know, I was really, really hard on the two of them over the course of the last couple of days. And, you know, I, I've had a lot mm-hmm. of people in my mentions, you know, getting on me about being too negative. And, and you know, obviously I have... I have, for whatever reason, a, a good amount of <laughs> clinically insane LeBron fans that follow me that make it a little bit uh, toxic in my mentions from time to night, from time to time. But the the truth of the matter is, is that like, like it it is because of how much I respect those two and what they're capable of that I am this hard on them. Like it it, it it's infuriating for me competitively to watch these guys leave in reserve a good chunk of what they're capable of when the team is, is, is floundering like this. It like irks me to my core as just as, as a competitor in my own right, as a fan of the team, as a fan of them as players, it's, it's something that it's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me watching them go, just kind of go through the motions like this. And, you know, if you want to say, LeBron's in his 19th season. He's 37. It's unfair for us to ask him to do this stuff. Then I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear his damn name mentioned by that same group of people in the top list of players in the league ever again. If that's the kind of standard you're going to hold him to, I'm sorry, because as the way, the way I look at it, this team is custom built to take workload off of him you know, uh, arguably too much. This is, this team has been custom built for him to be able to focus his talents in a way that doesn't fatigue him yet also allows him to raise the ceiling significantly. And Anthony Davis, we can go into that. We were going to talk a little bit more in a little bit about Mm -hmm. just the way he's kind of rebuilt his body and whether that slowed him down. But the bottom line is, man, is like we have seen too often what he's capable of, like just in this crap stretch of games to start the season, how many times at the end of a close game 
as he hit the Jets on the defensive end. And just, it literally looked like Batman was swooping down from the ceiling to erase shots. Like it literally out of respect for what they're capable of that. I hold them to that standard. And I rail on LeBron for two days for being a lazy asshole and leaving his team hung out to dry because I think he can be the best player in the world. That's the standard I'm holding him to. I was the one advocating that he was the undisputed best player in the world after the, after the, uh, uh, the bubble. I'm the one who said he deserved to win MVP before he got injured last year. So I'm also the guy singing his praises when he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but I'm not going to apologize for asking him and holding him to that same standard when he's mailing it in. And if that means that I have guys in my mentions ripping me a new one every day and I have guys telling me that I'm (laughs) pandering to the anti-LeBron crowd or whatever the hell it is they're saying, so be it. But because like as a competitor, I'm not capable of sitting there and patting him on the back and babying him right now. Not when the team's floundering, not when they're 10 and 11, and not when he's one of the main reasons for it because he's coasting every night. So I, I, and I don't think you should apologize either for being that. That's just you and I being honest fans. And, and I, and I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, we want the team to do well. Like there's, there's no world where we want this team not playing well, or we want LeBron to be bad. Like we've, we set our expectations, I think to the right point here. And this team needs him needs him to be engaged defensively it's just what it is it's not the team that it was before you're right he has more you know leeway offensively where you know russ can take more control malik monk a little more offensive minded players more ball handling that he doesn't have to do where he can kind of put time uh, and effort on the defensive end but it's clear he has it right like we're gonna be real we're gonna be honest we, we watch these games usually we watch them twice uh, for the most part LeBron, like they have not brought the defensive effort and LeBron even talked about it even after the 2019-2020 season AD brought it up how he wanted LeBron you know to make all defense and you know talked about the identity and you know Avery Bradley was part of it calling the, calling it the Avery Bradley challenge all that stuff was part of it right and we had LeBron engaged from day one LeBron was engaged in a way that they haven't seen for a while you talk to Cleveland Cavalier people and say you He's never engaged from day one defensively, and he was that season. And we need that again this year. And, and like you talk about the. And team by the way, Ross, really quick, their bodies held up. People didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron right. and AD gave incredible effort, and their bodies held up, and they got the trophy. Like that is the proven method to winning a championship: is dialing it up from day one. Yeah, and that's how you build habits, and and, and habits led to you know the team having. I believe the one seed going into the bubble and all that. And we know how everything went from there, but this team needs both of those to, to set the tone, you know, and I, I really believe in that. I believe your stars set the tone for your other players, especially defensively to me. Like, again, like I know you said you hold LeBron to that standard. I think the standard for LeBron is uh, when you need to win a series, who are you taking? And, you know, you can call him about Steph Curry, Giannis, KD, like, I probably, you know, I feel like the answer is still LeBron there. Like, I think that's the standard that most people hold him to. I think the night-to-night stuff is tough for a guy at the age. That's just my opinion there. But to me, AD is the guy. There's no excuses. And we'll talk later, like you said, about, you know, the shift in his body, you know, putting on more mass. All that stuff is fair, and, it, you know, that exists. But AD is the guy that has to be the, I'm taking over every single night. This is my team. 
I'm 20 years old, 28 years old in the prime of my prime, you know, like this, this is my time to kind of take over. And, you know, the numbers are great. The numbers are still there. He's dominating in the paint. It's still like, to me, when you watch the game, there's still need, there's still an impact that I'm not seeing like in, in terms of night to night that I felt I saw more in 2019, 2020. Uh, but that's to me is the guy that, that we need to expect more from. And I think it's fair to expect more from we threw, we all threw AD in the top five, you know, top three, top two, even in some circles, you know, after the playoff run, if those are the places you have him, it has to be a night to night thing with him. It can't be the taking off load managing just because LeBron and Russ are. So I get to take, I get to take plays off. No, like AD has to be the guy night to night that takes over. And I think that's the shift that this team has to go to no matter who the coach is, no matter what the scheme is, no matter how ugly the offense is, it's, it's AD who has to take over to me. Yeah, well, and, and quite frankly, like, he is the one most capable, like you said. It's, you know, Russ, right. Russ is going to run hot and cold because he's at a point in his career where his body isn't consistently there behind him. Same goes with LeBron. You know, um, I think LeBron, like I said, there's a fine line between what you're pointing out, like LeBron being the guy who's the guy in the final, the, that can run you for a playoff series, but at the same time isn't shouldn't be expected to do it night in and night out, but he was so far past that threshold with his own laziness that I think it still deserved to be called out. Like, oh, I don't, I don't expect him to go world beater every night. We were just needing more from him than what we were getting. But like when you're the, the, the way I'm looking at it here is because of the phase of their careers that Russ and LeBron are in Anthony Davis is in theory, the guy that should be having seasons like we always talk about during the regular season, separate from the top tier guys. Like every season, it's like LeBron's doing his thing. KD's doing his thing. Steph's doing his thing. But it's like, oh, look at Jokic. Jokic is unbelievable right now. Or, oh, look at Embiid. Embiid's unbelievable right now. That's what we should be saying about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, he's not, no, he's not in that like that like fraternity of that top tier, like ironclad resume guys that are going to be always like if we're always taking LeBron Steph KD to for a playoff series like yeah and then Giannis kind of just shoehorned his way into that conversation with his last playoff run and now he's very much on that level with those guys but everybody else you have a ton to prove like AD you were unbelievable in the bubble don't get me wrong but you still have more to prove in terms of being in that fraternity joining those four guys because what you get from those four guys was LeBron came out of the bubble and for 27 games to start the season or whatever it was, was an MVP candidate. LeBron didn't let his foot off the gas. Now, obviously injury derailed that. But the point is, is like AD, you know, I saw someone tweet out the other day. They said AD got his championship in the bubble and stopped caring about basketball. Now that's lowbrow analysis. And I don't agree with that, but hidden underneath that is a kernel of truth in the sense that, after AD won his championship, he 1,000% stepped way back off of his night-to-night intensity. That, that, is a, that is an absolute fact. And last year, before his Achilles tendinosis, it was LeBron that was carrying the team. And part of the reason why he was an MVP candidate was because AD was mailing it in most, most nights. We talked about how AD already, I think he already has more 30-point games and he had all last season or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the stat is, so don't quote me on it. But the point is, is like we we have seen him disconnect himself from that group of players that's right below that top tier 
the guys that get all the noise in the regular season. This should be his time to really, really shoehorn himself into that conversation. So I, I agree with you. And he's the one who's most physically capable of it. Now, the interesting thing you brought up. So somebody pointed this out on Twitter today, this morning, um, AD kind of transformed his body really, really spent a lot of time in the weight room and is kind of jacked <laughs> up top. Like he's, his upper body frame is, is extremely strong. Um, but at the same time, as we've talked about, he's become almost more of a finesse player than ever. And so it's an interesting conundrum. So, you know, it's counterintuitive because you might tell yourself, oh, he's stronger. He should be able to play more physically imposing around the rim. But I think one of the trade-offs there is he hasn't been as quick and his foot speed has always been an advantage for him uh, against other bigs. And so I, 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 let's kick it to you, Raj. What's your, what's your take on the whole Anthony Davis being too hop head to do too top heavy thing. Yeah. So I texted you like this, something I kind of wanted to discuss because it's something I've definitely noticed. Um, and, and last year I kind of threw it away as a, you know, as a, you know, short season, you had the short off season came in from his own words out of shape and try to play through it. Then he got hurt in February and he was pretty much out and played a few games late in the year and in the playoffs. But again, this year, he just doesn't move. He's not as agile, I guess. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason. Maybe if it's just what I'm seeing. And maybe this is just him being reluctant to roll to the rim. But I, again, I see just more. He's become more of just like a big center, right? And I think the whole point of AD is this agile kind of guy who can catch and finish and have a bunch of moves. And I, and to me, like he just looks bigger. And this is something he wanted to do to play this as a guy who's going to play the center position more, but he just seems bigger. And it seems like something he's adjusting to as well with his body. Like he just seems slow. Like, is it wrong for me to say he's playing slower? Like he it just doesn't seem not like he's, yeah. Yeah. So he just, does he's not become a serious quick. problem in transition. Yeah. Like it just feels like he's, he's playing a lot more slow, like a lot more slow, like feet, like more grounded basketball. Not. And again, like he's, he's getting lobs and stuff like that. I'm saying he's not, you know, up in the air, but it still seems like he's more of a grounded player than he was at least in that first year. It just, it doesn't seem as fluid. Fluidity is probably the word that I would let that, that I, I fit the most with this just doesn't look fluid, right? Everything looks rigid. Everything looks tough. And it's another thing. Like I hate the eye test versus numbers conversations that we have, because I think, you know, both sides, you use both of them. Like it's the whole point of this. You, it's just information. You use both of them. And to me, like his numbers are still great. When I watch the games, everything still looks too difficult. And maybe that's him not playing, you know, the center lineups. But I think that's an excuse. Like, I, I feel like he's just, he's not as agile, not as fluid. Am I wrong there? Like, uh, uh, tell me if I'm wrong there. But it's just when I'm watching the game, that's what I'm seeing. It's just not as fluid. And I think part of that is the new buy. I think he's definitely put on mass. And it's something he's getting used to. And we'll, we'll see how it goes moving forward. But that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with this. He just doesn't look as fluid as, as I remember him at, at least the, the first year. So I want to preface it by saying that I think he still is capable of playing a lot better than he has been, even with his current body type. Um, sure. That said, there's a reason why Kevin Durant doesn't spend a ton of time in the weight room. And it's because he understands his advantage is, is quickness and mobility at his size. Right. And whereas like a guy like LeBron LeBron, it always was advantageous for him to be in the weight room because he never was a side-to-side type of perimeter player. LeBron has always been a straight line, brute force, low center of gravity, 
you're not bumping me off my line. I'm bumping you off my line type of offensive player. So for him, ironically, at times in his career where he's gotten out of the weight room, he's had less success. Famously in 2015, he goes on that big fish diet or whatever before his first season in Cleveland. And he sucks for the first like third of the season, has back issues, seemingly has lost a step, doesn't have as much success uh, getting to the basket. Then he comes back second half of the season, looks thicker, takes a couple of weeks off in Miami, looks like he bulks up a little bit. He comes back and he looks like the old LeBron again. Point being, like, it's all about like your play style, like. AD, you know, it's very funny. If you watch any basketball game and you watch, there's basically like two different kind of athletic archetypes. There are guys that are like always down low in a defensive stance. Their knees are always bent. They're very like low and athletic type of players. And then they're kind of like upright type of players. And AD is very much an upright type of player. Even when he's in a defensive stance, he's not really sitting down low squatted, you know, coach fundamentally sound defensive stance. He's kind of like an upright type of a dude. So when he puts on that weight, it just, it raises his center of gravity, makes it easier for him to get pushed off his spot. And the truth of the matter is, is like the only place he really should be looking to add strength is in his lower body and, and try to keep his weight down so that he can beat guys with his speed. So that's kind of my two cents on it. That said, like, like AD, even with his current frame, even with his current mobility, is capable of making this work for himself. Um, but yeah, in, in, in theory, like he was, he was never just this brute force straight line, low center of gravity type of big like Giannis is. So that upper body strength, I think is less relevant for him. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's very similar. Like, I think we talked about this earlier. Like I see with Russ as well. And I know like we kind of disagree, I felt like Russ was a little bit more finesse in his earlier years than, than he gets credit for, like playing him twice in the playoffs. He wasn't just a guy that was all brute force, but just in my opinion, and, and but now he's like really bulked up. Like he's, you know, ripped now. And I feel like he's turned into a brute force type of player, less less reliant on skill, right? He's more just a, I'm going to force my way to the rim. And that's why I think you see all the, when you get the bad rust, you see all these missed layups, he gets to the basket and it's all force. And once he gets to the rim, the skill level has dropped off. And that's kind of, I'm not saying that that's a direct comparison with AD, but I'm seeing some of that like adjustment to the, uh, to the new body kind of has the weight that he's put on. It's, it's a different player. Like if you go look at his games in new Orleans, he's just a, like, he's a very agile, fluid, big that that's rolling around, scrolling, screening and rolling to the basket a lot of fluidity being able to go by guys you know off the dribble and right now it just feels very rigid and I think the lineups are part of it don't get me wrong the spacing is is awful obviously with DJ and Avery Bradley but to me that that does that's not the whole story so I just wanted to be discussed that because I feel like he I feel like he's adjusting to it and hopefully we see see it getting better going forward but that's what I've seen at least so far he's not as quick as I remember him I guess being and and maybe that's just something we We'll have to, he'll, he'll, he'll get adjusted to as we go forward here. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, he, he's going to continue as he stays healthy and stays on the court. He's going to continue to look better and better. In my opinion, the big thing that was derailing him there, I thought was um, his shot selection, you know, and this was part of his Mm. physical engagement into the game. Like I think AD was hopeful that with all of this talent, he could, 
BS his way, taking, you know, roughly two thirds of his shots on, uh, you know, off the dribble jump shots or jab set jump shots. And he thought he could kind of coast his way through the season, but that's clearly, it's clearly that that's not the case. He's not shooting those shots well enough. The team's not generating enough rim pressure. And so by virtue, like one of the things I thought you saw tonight is AD didn't take any bad jump shots. Like I, I'd have to go back and look at the tape, but I don't think he took a bad shot tonight. And so you have these two threes that he takes that are both wide open in rhythm, catch and shoot shots that are spaced out around these rim attacks and they go in and they're not always going to go in, but in general, you're going to shoot a higher percentage when you build your offense inside out that way, you know, Maples texted or uh, tweeted me uh, after the uh, uh, or yesterday, just because that the stat came out. I can't remember what account it was. It tweeted out, but basically AD's, you know, just tweeted out basically just how bad AD has been on jump shots. And basically for high volume jump shooters, he's lowest in the league in points per shot. So like, that's how bad he's been. And he goes, you know, Maples asked me, do you still want AD taking five threes per game? And I told him, yes, the problem wasn't the threes. It was the crazy off the dribble mid-range jump shots. That's where his efficiency is tanking. Now, is he, has he not been shooting well on threes? Yeah. But part of that is because he's literally shooting himself out of rhythm every night with these terrible shots. And if anything, instead of taking 12 jump shots per game and three or four of them being three, or threes, I'd rather have him take six or seven jump shots a game and have four or five of them be threes. Because at that point, chances are those six or seven jump shots are all going to be pretty high quality. They're all going to be balanced. The vast majority of them are either going to be pick and pop threes that are in that 18 to 20 foot range or at the three point line or spotting up. And there he's just going to get the quality of shots that he needs to get himself out of a slump. Like I always preach on this show, the best way to get out of a shooting slump is to keep shooting, but to take high quality shots. The worst thing you can do in a shooting slump is keep pounding your head into the wall by taking tougher and tougher shots, because guess what? You're going to keep missing and then you're going to trick yourself and your brain into thinking you don't have it when the reality is, is you have bad process. And so that's, that's where I'd like to see him kind of like uh, uh, tweak his offense in that regard. One of the biggest ways we could tactically do that is in these Russ AD lineups, having him instead of being in a dunker spot or screening and rolling, giving Russ more isolation opportunities where AD is in a five out position. Um, they did a lot of that in the second quarter tonight, uh, or excuse me, at the end of the first quarter tonight. And then again in the second quarter, and I thought they were getting really good stuff out of it. And AD actually made his first three in a five out set. Yeah, to me, he has to be at least a respectable jump shooter for this team to get to wherever they want to go. Like, There's no way AD can be just a guy at the rim. He has to shoot the jumper to make it at least respectable. And I think when you know, when we play AD at the four against a lineup that he likes, it induces him to take bad shots. You talk about the you know jab step, you know, settling uh, mid-range jumpers that really just kill his rhythm. Uh, it's shots where he doesn't get to the rim. It doesn't doesn't compromise the defense at all. Uh, but I think those pick and pop, you know, Russ AD screen roll where he pops, like that's in rhythm jumpers. And he's too good, uh, like his form and his jump, sh- like we can discuss if it's a mechanical issue or whatever. But like his form to me still looks too good to not having at least, to not at least have him shooting a, a somewhat good volume of threes uh, every night. And, and they're going to need it from this team. It, even with the starting lineup, you take out 
hopefully Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan eventually get out of the starting lineup. Uh, you still, when you have Russ and Braun, like teams are going to pack the paint. AD is going to get a whole bunch of wide open jump shots. He has to take them. He has to take them confidently. And we need it to not just to win this year, not just to make the playoffs, but to win what, when the the whole goal of this uh, AD has to be a respectable jump shooter, and I think he can. He's not this bad of a jump shooter like that. I can't believe that. Like, there's just no way AD. I think he was what like two for two for twenty or something on his last like on a, on a, on his last few jumpers before this night. Uh, so I don't think he just just throw a bad number out there, and you're probably <laughs> either close to correct or correct. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing a stat. I was like, man, he's like last. Uh, like you talked about it, he's like last in efficiency for guys with some minimum amount of attempts. Uh, he's not that bad of a jump shooter, just to me. Like, there's just no way I would believe that. There's some positive uh, regression coming here, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, he needs to be a jump shooter. Like. He, uh, the solution isn't AD stop taking jumpers. It's like you said, taking better shots. I think off the catch, off of screen roll, where screen and screen roll where he pops out. Like that's that's good jump shots for him. And you're never gonna go away from those mid range uh, jab step jump shots. Like that's stuff he likes to do, and those aren't ever going away. Uh, but I think if you can start inside out, uh, it's something that's positive for this team, and they're gonna need it going forward. I'm glad you pointed that out because that's the important detail there. You have to try to find a way to continue to trend AD in the correct direction as a jump shooter, because without him uh, in that, it doesn't have to be the bubble for the record. He doesn't need to be making all those isolation mid-range jump shots. What he did in the bubble though, is Mm -hmm. I think he was right around 38% on, you know, three attempts from three every game. It's something along those lines. Don't quote me on it. But the point is, is that, that in order for this team to reach its offensive ceiling in the playoffs, which they absolutely have to reach, because of their lack of defensive personnel, you you need AD to be a stretch big. And obviously AD having success as a stretch big with everything else he does offensively and defensively, that is where he's in that tier two star, fringe tier one star type of, of category, which is where this team needs him to be. If he's not, if he's not, if we go, hey, we can't continue to cultivate AD as a jump shooter. Now we're talking about the 15th best player in the league. Now we're talking about a rich man's Clint Capella, and and now we're completely redefining what this team's, you know, championship aspirations are. So that all has to be uh, uh, dealt with. But at the end of the day, like you said, like a lot of this is just, uh, um, you know, uh, continuing to take positive steps in the right direction. I really, really liked the process tonight. I liked the process of AD putting his head down and getting to the rim early. I liked him making out-of-area defensive plays, which was something he wasn't doing in previous weeks. Again, you look at the scoring margin, it looks scary, looks like, oh, they barely beat the Pistons again. But the truth of the matter was, is your big three were all good on both ends of the floor, and all of the role players had bad nights. And I don't care you know, what time of the season it is or how – you know, whether or not they're in the middle of a 10 game win streak or sitting at 10 and 11, you know, that's part of the NBA experience is your role players run hot and they run cold. And tonight the Lakers got a win when all of their role players ran cold because LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook all played well. And so under these circumstances, we got to take these wins where we can get them. And I'm not even just talking about wins in the standings. I'm talking about little, you know, mini wins, little checkpoints in the process of getting this team back on the right track and as crazy as it sounds, I thought tonight was a very clear, positive step in that direction. Yep. And the final thing, just I had in my notes here, uh, Monk, Ellington, and Carmelo, I believe, were three for 16 
from the field. So getting a win with, like you said, your role players, not playing well, not hitting shots. And with AD, it's never, like I talked about, it's never about the numbers. He's going to put those up. He's good enough to where he can put up a big-time numbers game and, and you watch the game and still feel like you want more. And and some of that is he's just so tantalizing, you know, as, an, as a talent that you want that. But the numbers I look for him are stocks. So steals, blocks, two steals, three blocks. And offensive rebounds is something I look at as well. And tonight, zero offensive rebounds, um, but he did have 10 boards. Uh, I'll go back and rewatch and see what happened there. But, you know, three blocks, two steals is, is what I want to look for uh, from him. I think that's pretty much the biggest show of what he is. He's too good, too talented to not have those kind of numbers, uh, those kind of impacts. And steals blocks aren't always the greatest uh, translation for good defense. Uh, but I think for him, uh, when he's putting those up, it means he's he's really engaged. So, that's what I want to see from him. Uh, but another, you're right. Good night from the big three. I probably, probably the best game from the big three, just as a, like a as them playing together, like the numbers that they put up, and hopefully it's something we can build. But like we started this show, they've lost the benefit of the doubt for that. Uh, this they, they absolutely have. <laughs> uh, just uh, we'll have to see going forward. They play another bad team, the Kings, who after beating us in triple overtime, uh, I believe did they lose to? Uh, I believe they lost to the. The Grizzlies without yeah, John Moran. Yeah, without John Moran. Yeah, yeah, by 27. I think they were down like 20 at halftime. Uh, so we played them on Tuesday. I think I saw the quotes on the timeline that AD, and AD was saying it's they can get some revenge on Tuesday. But we have to see it. Uh, but this is a step, hopefully, in the right direction, even if it's just a small half a step. It's a step, and that's, that's what we need to see. On the road on Tuesday is a really good test. It's mm-hmm. a team that specifically – attacks a weakness that the Lakers have, which is their point of attack defense and their ability to contest shots on the perimeter. I'm not sure if you saw that stat that was floating around, but I can't remember the exact number, but basically like something like 38 of the 43 jump shots that the uh, Kings took the other night were uncontested. Did you see that? (laughs) So so like that, that to me is just, you know, effort and focus. But anyway, the uh, going up to Sacramento, a team that specifically is kind of, uh, you know, geared towards some of our weaknesses, obviously uh, a little bit of a revenge match for what happened the other night. It's also on the road. And as we saw all season, Lakers just can't put multiple good games together. This is a good chance to go up to Sacramento, whoop their ass, come home and say, we have now uh, uh, put a couple of good games together, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you get, and if you get LeBron and AD engaged, and if you get anything out of Melo Ellington and Monk and get these guys going a little bit, you're going to get a lot more, uh, offensive firepower than you saw tonight because they were generating rim pressure. Um, so, but anyway, that's all we got for tonight, guys. Uh, this is going to air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. This will be uh, Pacific Standard Time. This will be on our podcast feed, State of the Lakers, here in about 15, 20 minutes. As usual, we sincerely appreciate your support. It's been a crazy week, a lot of <laughs> a lot of drama, um, but I'm, I'm happy that we were able to have a, a little bit more relaxed uh, <laughs> uh, discussion tonight and uh, looking forward to Tuesday, hopefully being another good step in the right direction for this team. We appreciate it. Thanks, everyone.